Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Flashpoint, shining light on the issues that matter to you in Philadelphia. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. I'm KYW's Antoinette Lee, and this week on Flashpoint, we're discussing the upward trend in youth being impacted by gun violence. Easier to get a gun than get a job than you at speak, especially for a young black male. For our newsmaker of the week, thanks to some local students and faculty, now there's a way to track homicides in Delaware County. Educating the public about the nature of gun violence is step one, and then informing decision makers about how they can address this crisis is step two. Our changemaker started a foundation to make a difference after her son's life was taken by gun violence in 2018. I want families to hear that you're not by yourself. You may feel abandoned, but you're not alone. It's a half hour you need to hear straight ahead on Flashpoint. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm your host, Antoinette Lee. Years of work and collaboration have turned into a database that helps activists, the public, and politicians now keep up with the data for homicides in Delaware County. For our Newsmaker of the Week, KYW Sheridan Howard spoke with Adam Garber, the executive director of Ceasefire PA, about why this matters. As the impact of gun violence hits nearly every major city across the country, Delaware County and Philadelphia stand shoulder to shoulder with communities suffering the most. That's why Adam Garber teamed up with students from Swarthmore College and local activists to shed a light on data at the root of gun violence as well as the stories told by the victims with nothing more than a database. Adam, thank you for being here. You and your partners in the project created the Delaware County Homicide Database. Why? Yeah, I mean, I think really it actually started from students and faculty at Swarthmore who were recognizing that gun violence in Delaware County was rising a number of years ago and was worried about the shootings and homicides in their community and that there was a gap in the information that was available both to the public and partners to understand where gun violence was happening. And so what they did is they decided we can recreate that database and really give easy access to help the public understand these issues and also eventually connect it back to the stories of those who are lost because they're not statistics, they're real people who we need to remember each of them. So in acknowledging both the victims as well as their stories, now you're using data to inform the rest. So you have the idea, you now have the partnerships, what comes next? And so from there, you know, the students really and the professors at Swarthmore worked with us and other activists and organizations and really with our chapter, Delaware County United, to develop this database and do two pieces. One, take all the data from the CDC on how gun violence is impacting local 
people in Delaware County. And then two, connected with the news stories of outlets in the community to tell the story of those lives lost. And so that's where we are today. We have the data piece and soon we're going to have the story piece to help us analyze what's driving this violence in our community. And you say this isn't really about just Delaware County. This is about neighboring communities all across the area and also the country, because this is an issue that is stretching across the country in every major city. Well, I think first off, it's about the public. What we need to recognize is that one, gun violence is in every part of Delaware County. There's really not a community that's not touched by homicides and shootings and gun violence. But two, that we're unfortunately seeing the largest impacts in places like Chester and the close suburbs of Philadelphia. Educating the public about the nature of gun violence is step one. And then informing decision makers about how they can address this crisis is step two. Because if they understand the sources of those firearms, if they understand the drivers, they can enact policies to save the next life. And if we can't save the last one, we should at least learn from it to save the next. So you're trying to get at the root of the problem, the root of gun violence, so that you can build legislation and policies. Am I right? Yes. I mean, this problem of data within homicides and gun violence and access for the public is happening everywhere in every corner of the state. And we're starting to see similar efforts prop up, right, in Philadelphia and in Pittsburgh, starting to do it in other counties. But I think that we still have this huge information gap, both in the public availability of the data and then this connection to the drivers of the violence. And so what we're hoping is that this serves as a model for other universities to partner with organizations like us, local activists and local officials to help inform the policies that will save lives. Ultimately, we want every community and everyone in our communities to live a life free from gun violence. And that starts with understanding the nature of that violence to enact solutions that will reduce it. So let's talk more about the root of the problem. Looking at the data, where does gun violence start? Yeah. So when we think about gun violence, we think about two ends of the problem. The first is the causes of the drivers, the economic disparities, the poverty, the societal needs and trauma people are experiencing. And by using the overlay maps within the database of poverty and median income and other tools, we can look closely at where there's high levels of violence and where there's economic disparity and look at how to heal those communities and do the kind of necessary transformation to address those drivers. And then the second piece is going to be really important in the next phase, which is we know the ease of access to firearms without safeguards in place, um, and especially of driving of illegal firearms in our communities, um, is driving a lot of this violence. And so as we connect the death data with the individual stories from news articles, eventually about how those people are shot, what are the sources of those firearms, and those pieces of information, I think that's going to be the next phase, then we'll be able to better inform what are the sources of the weapons being used. And then how do we address both those root causes to prevent the violence and also keep the firearms out of the hands of those who might want to hurt people. And those are the two steps that we need to end this epidemic together. And now that all feeds into what you say will inform legislation and policies that will now write out the rest of the work. Exactly. I think that's exactly right, Shara. Um, you know, I think one exciting point here is that the state has already invested in $30 million in violence prevention programs. 
Um, I know a number of the organizations in Chester and in Delaware County are applying for those resources, and we think that can address the root cause. And as those programs are successful, we'll be able to watch in coming years, hopefully the hot spots disappear and see then the next investment so the state and local government can continue to invest. And then I think the second piece is, of course, addressing the source of those firearms. And what we know is that, um, you know, a lot of illegal firearms come because they were lost or stolen. And so we just look at those stories and go, here's where the firearm came from. Or we're seeing rising use of ghost guns in places like Philadelphia, but we don't have that data yet in Delaware County. And if we see that as a problem, we can go, okay, let's stop the use of ghost guns in our communities and create legislation to ensure that they have to meet the safety standards as any other firearm. Because if you can assemble it in 30 minutes with a set of tools in your basement, it's still a firearm. So you say the information and the data, that really becomes a stronghold. That becomes the center for the next piece, the essential piece, which is education as well. Well, I think that, you know, again, it starts with this education piece of understanding the sources of violence. If Pennsylvania and Delaware County residents understand where violence is coming from, their information will help them advocate for the solutions we need and make the case to decision makers at all levels of government. And then you can start building what you call a model so that others can then follow suit. And I think over time, this is a powerful base for us to build upon knowledge. And every piece of knowledge is another piece of information we can use to identify solutions. The reality, I will say, is this shouldn't have been necessary. At this point in day, like we should have government data that does the exact same of information at the statewide scale, you know, but we know that unfortunately we don't have that level of clarity too often. And so seeing citizen researchers and students and professors and activists coming together to provide that information. It shouldn't be necessary, but in a world where it is, we're really glad to partner with them to make it happen. And just recently, there was a huge push for more funding for local grassroots efforts as well as activists. People already doing the work on the ground and know what works. Who say gun violence will not be solved. Success will not be achieved without real investment. Yeah, I mean, the funding is starting to come. I mean, I think what's really, you know, for years and years and years in Pennsylvania and at the local level, we have not invested the way other communities have in violence prevention strategies, right? When we look at places like Stockton and Chicago and New York City and other big areas, what we know is they've invested tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in violence reduction strategies, and they've seen drops of 50, 60, 70% through street interruption models, through trauma-informed care and workforce development programs that are targeted towards individuals that are highly likely to be involved in violence. You know, between the state and the city of Philadelphia, $50 million was allocated in violence reduction programs. And Philly's so close to Delaware County, obviously it's going to spill out into that area. And now that money's starting to roll out. But I can tell you it's not enough money. And so what we know is we need to show the successes of those programs to get the next cycle of investment and make the case that, you know, these models will work if we invest in the local community members who know where violence is happening and know what the community needs. Because every life lost is just too much. Thank you so much for being here, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D.
That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm your host, Antoinette Lee. Now, this week, we're discussing the alarming amount of teenagers, young people involved in gun violence. Just this week, Basile Garrison, a 16-year-old, was tragically shot and killed waiting at a bus stop outside of a school in West Philly. More than three dozen kids ages 17 and younger have been killed in Philadelphia so far this year. This is a whole generation of youth that we're losing here. So this week, we're bringing in two young people who have been very active in the community, in schools, trying to Engage the youth in solutions to gun violence. Here to discuss with us on Flashpoint, we have Ant Brown. He is an activist, entrepreneur, and artist from Philly. We also have Rex. You may know him as Bike Life Rex. He's a bike superstar on Instagram, and after serving some time in prison as a teen, he turned his life around. Ant and Rex, thank you so much for being here and offering us your perspectives today. It's a pleasure to be here. And you've been leading an anti-gun violence tour in schools around the city. Rex, you've been involved with this as well. And tell us about this. The tour is called the Abro Experience. It's an idea that I've been thinking about for some months now as I've been building more relationships with different influencers such as Bike Life Rex. And uh, one thing I want to do is start bringing these people that these kids watch is on YouTube and TikTok and stuff. I wanted to bring it to them in person to use it as a tool of uh, encouragement to influence these students to stay out of violence and, you know, start to build unity young. Because I believe gun violence, um, a lot of that stems from bullying. You know, like these young people, they don't have a sense of self and they don't have a sense of understanding of themselves. And they don't have an understanding of each other. And I, I believe that that shows as they get older in regards of, you know, beefing in the streets that eventually turns to gun violence. So with the tour, I wanted to be the person that bridged that gap between them and their favorite influencers. And Rex, what made you want to get involved? So pretty much I seen a lot that, you know, Ed Brown was doing. And it just intrigued me because I never really had a path to go. I knew that I wanted to help people. And it sounds like y'all are changing a lot of uh, hearts and minds, like going to these schools and just like talking to kids and also doing your positive rap thing, right? Yeah, so my rap, I started off rapping just like everyone else, you know, talking about this and that. And, you know, I never really was fond of the, you know, disrespecting women. So that was never in my raps. But, you know, you know, spin up on that block and we slide and, you know, because it sound hot. But when I started to think about my raps, not even think, when I started to stop thinking and just rap who I was as a person, that's when I found the real music. When I started to, you know, express who I am, you know, I don't want no smoke with you. I'm different now. You got to stay silent and take care of the women now. I say that because I've seen so many men put their hands on my mother. We're supposed to protect them. So, you know, my music is me. And what about you, Ant? The way I started to form my lyrics as far as my music, you know, I'm a big firm believer on vibrations. And I'm a big firm believer on, you know, like the frequencies that you put out. But what you put out is what you get back. You know, you don't want to attract the wrong things to yourself by constantly manifesting them through your lyrics. And, you know, when these young kids, you know, if they start looking up to you, they start rapping the lyrics or they remember words that you say. And if it's negative, then those things might, starts to weigh and, and reflect on them in a negative manner. So when we think about positivity, we're trying to make that popular because we're trying to change the way these kids think and via the, the lyrics that we're starting to have them notice and learn. 
I hope so. And I, I think you're right. What are the young people feeling about the violence happening in the city right now? I think it's like a balance between the young people being a little bit afraid and also being a little numb to it because it's something that that we used to seeing in our communities is knowing about somebody losing their life to gun violence. A lot of these young people are either numb to it now to the point it's just normal. And then there's some of them who has a sense of fear or a sense of panic in regards of coming to school and being afraid that they might end up one of those people who get shot, you know, even leaving school, coming home from school, et cetera. But, you know, I'm a firm believer that before things get good, they have to get worse. So although we are in our worst current state of gun violence, I believe that we are hitting in a better direction because people like me, like Bike, bike Life Rex, like the Feast Banger, like, and the list goes on, we starting to step up more. So I'm using our influence, our connection with the youth to help influence them to do better. One thing I see, this is the first time that the city has done something in regards to influencers that particularly caters to a young crowd step up in this sense. So um, I believe that is we're in a bad state, but we're going to get better. And I, I think a lot of people want to know how are teenagers getting their hands on weapons? Like, how does that happen? How are 14-year-olds walking around with guns? Well, um, it's a different list of things. You know, um, they say it's, uh, they sell kits where though they can just get them and put them together, the ghost guns. It's been studies saying that they use 3D printers to, like, print out these guns. Getting a gun is not, is not difficult. It's easier to get a gun than getting a job, if you ask me especially for a young black male. And uh, and I think that's, that's really what it boils down to. If you ask me, I mean, I don't know, but I feel like they're being imported here and specifically in Philadelphia. Like if we see where the crime is the highest, Philadelphia being the uh, largest, poorest city and one of the largest cities in the country. When you downtown, this is really a great city. When you look at the infrastructure, the way it's built, there's so much rich history here. There's a lot of resources here. There's a lot, a whole lot of opportunities. But to the outside looking in or to some people in Philly, we feel like there's no opportunities here because of the gun violence. And I believe that, you know, a lot of that is designed. I believe a lot of that has extra entities that might be helping keep these guns coming in a little easier. And these are not like yeah, little 38s. These not just your little 40s. These guns with extendos. These guns with lasers on them. You know, it looked like these people is ready for a war in Iraq or something. So we got to ask ourselves, you know, when has a 12-year-old, 13-year-old have access to guns with lasers on them? It has a lot to do with the parents also. They're very careless when it comes to what they have. You know, they leave it around. They don't put it, you know, lock it up. They don't you know, take the bullet out the head, you know, and half of the time parents are more scared than the kids are. So they leave them around the house and they expect the kids not to touch them. But in all actuality, if it's sitting there, you're going to get interested if you don't know what it is or you don't know what it does or, you know, your friend has one, but you don't have one. So you want to try it. You want to know what the hype is about. Yeah, we've heard of a lot of situations this year where like kids are picking up guns that's left in the house and they accidentally shoot and hurt someone else or themselves. And you said something that I like, and it was about opportunity. One of the things that I hear a lot about is like people talking about jealousy. So I want to ask, how do you think social media has, has influenced this crisis? It's like another one of those things that has layers. 
social media plays a big part because social media now, you can live an artificial life now with social media, as well as a lot of people are judging their current state of success based off what they're seeing others on social media. Whereas though everybody measures success differently. And that could form a, a sense of jealousy because a young person might see somebody with this. Uh, somebody could have on uh, like a fake Gucci shirt, you know, but on Instagram, you might think that they got, because they got good quality, that that's a real Gucci shirt. I believe, you know, it plays a big part because when we think about, you know, pixels and high quality and how those things influence your mind and make you want to get involved in certain things. And if all you're seeing in this high quality and um and it's all negativity, you know, it can make negativity and gun violence become fascinating. And once it becomes fascinating, you have kids as young as eight, nine years old that loves the gun culture now. And now they're starting to grow up a little influenced and look forward to getting involved to it because they see it on Instagram. And, and if I can add something is, you know, it's not only Instagram, too. It has a lot to do with these video games, the things that they're coming out with these games. You know, they always want to make another Grand Theft Auto. Not even that. Like you say, like it has a lot to do with the older people, too, because these older people are so stuck in their ways with beef. And I got to keep it on me that the kids going to be like, what are you keeping on you? I need to keep that on me, too. And not only that, people make guns interesting a lot of people that are you know around in the city make guns something that are interesting you know how you say they put lasers on them and they put 30 clips and they make them look good so it's like to somebody that doesn't know the depth of what it can hold you know they're willing to get one also oh i want mine with a 30 clip i want one with a laser not because you can kill somebody but just because it look good Everybody having many pictures or music videos. And it's just social media, period. Facebook, Twitter. Only thing I can say that's breaking down on it is TikTok. That's the only thing that's breaking down on this violence is TikTok. Everyone else is just encouraging it. Rex, you made a good point there. You said, you know, like the guns look cool. The gun culture is kind of cool now. I'm I'm wondering, like, do y'all think young people understand the consequences of pulling a trigger and taking a life? It's like they don't know the depth of what it holds. I agree with him as well. So, you know, my older, my older brother just did 15 years, and he actually just touched down. And just knowing a lot of street dudes and knowing what it's like to grow up really having to fight often. A lot of these young people who, are, who have guns, you know, they didn't have to fight or anything. Now it's just straight to the gun. They skipped the whole process that, that kind of showed if you really was tough or not. A lot of them get into these situations, they get caught with a gun, they finally get locked up and realize that they can't handle those youths that are uh, actually in these detention centers, et cetera. I think it hits them all too late. You know, I'm working with a young person right now and that's arrested. And um, he always tell me like, man, I wish I never did this. Now he's doing a two year sentence and there, it's a sense of regret that comes from them because they're so young. And when they get locked up, they don't realize how serious jail is, you know, like even just the psychological trauma it can give you just from living in the same room that you use in the bathroom that, you know, all of these things play a big part of your mindset and your mental, not hearing from people that you think was your squad, you think that you care about. And then once you locked up, you, you in there battling with your own mind, like that, nobody really was there for me. I'm sitting here, man, over here trying to impress my homies and 
that ain't even nothing for real, for real. And then you look at it like, yo, I could have been way more successful if I ain't never get myself into trying to impress them. So I believe they don't know the consequences and the seriousness. And like Rex said, the music videos, you know, our music make it seem like gel is one of the coolest things you can do when the reality that's completely backwards. I want to add something to what he just said. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I went to jail with 10 men. And out of those 10 men, I'm the only one that hasn't been back to prison. When you're in prison, you say, I wish I never did it. I wish I never did that and, and things like that. But when you come home, you forget how it felt to be in prison, right? And what I did was when I came home was I locked myself in a bathroom for hours with no phone, no social media to remind myself when I got carried away and I was outside getting loud mouthful people sit myself in the bathroom like a punishment like do you want to go back to where you was just at because thinking about it when you in that bathroom and you don't got that cell phone who coming to check up on you nobody who coming in to make sure you good nobody why because they assume that you're okay or they forget about you because you seclude yourself you you remove yourself it's the same thing as being in prison that really touched my heart when he just said you know um the thing with the boy that's in there and you know how he said he wished he never did it. And it's more so like, it's not about really wishing that you never did it. It's wishing that you would have thought about what you did and did it right. There was no guns in prison. You don't get to use no weapon. So it's like, it's an eye opener. It's more so bringing out your fears that you were blocking with that pistol. And now that that pistol not there, you don't have that block no more. So now them fears are right in front of your face. Now you got a hundred fears on one block that you know nothing about. A hundred different personalities. One of the things I always hear from the older generation is there used to be a, a street code, right? Like no shooting, no children, you know, no, no shooting women. Meanwhile, today, women and children are being shot at like record levels. So is the street code a myth? Me being in prison, you know, I spent two and a half years and I was in there with lifers. Asking me from actually being inside, with lifers that have been in there for, you know, 50, 60 years, I don't ever think there was a street code. I feel as though the street code was something that men do, that, that men say, just like when you're talking to a woman, you know, I would never do that, you know, I would never go there. But then when it's time, he does it. And a lot of the people, almost everyone that I've talked to in prison was in there for like, you know, shootings that were wild. When it comes to that, I feel as though there never was. You know, there, there never was a street code. That was something people just put in the street to make them seem more organized with bad things. Because if it was a street code, you would tell somebody to meet up with you and you would handle it like men, like you say, hands. Because that's a code. A bullet has no name. I want to give both of y'all a last chance to rap for us here. And I want to ask you, how do we get more young people to the table to discuss solutions and help our city in this gun violence crisis? We got to keep doing what we're doing posting more, you know, talking to more kids and just trying to be better, you know, trying to show them that there's people out here putting that groundwork in. Oh, for sure. So we continue to provide platforms and give uh, the right resources and exposure to people like the Bike Life Rex. We know how important it is for the people that these kids watch to engage with them and I think it's about the all hands on deck initiative to be active in the sense of getting into their schools meeting them where they're at so I think that's why this school tour is 
so important. And I think this is why so many entities and powers that be been reaching out to us because they see we're meeting them exactly where they're at. We're interfering between them in the streets and them inside school. And I think if we keep that up, we're going to start to see the culture change in a more positive direction. How can people find y'all and stay in touch or support if they want to help out? So you can find me on Instagram, Bike Life Rex. And um, you can follow me on everything at Ant Brown E-N-T. That's A-N-T-B-R-O-W-N-E-N-T. Thank y'all both so much. Thank you so much. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. If you're considering home care for yourself or a loved one, Patriot Home Care makes it easy with a caring and compassionate staff. Don't be overwhelmed by all the choices. Let Patriot Home Care help. Patriot Home Care is growing with offices throughout Philadelphia and now in Delaware. Patriot is accepting caregivers and new clients virtually as well. At Patriot, you will love what you do and feel rewarded by taking care of people who need your help. Patriot also offers some of the area's best pay, benefits, and a $600 sign-on bonus to new caregivers. Visit PatriotHomeCare.org. The Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week is presented by Patriot Home Care. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm your host, Antoinette Lee. This week for our Philly Rising Changemaker, we're highlighting a mother who has found strength and loss. Miss Rhonda Gore is from West Oak Lane. Her son's life was taken in 2018 by gun violence. No one has been arrested for the murder yet. So three years later, she's still fighting for justice for her son. In the meantime, she started the Shelton T. Hayes Foundation to help others through the grief of losing a loved one to gun violence and to keep Shelton's name and light from dimming. Shelton Hayes of West Oak Lane in Northwest Philly was known as the life of the party. The biggest joke that we have going is he always had a red cup in his hand. His mother, Rhonda Gore, says he was the proud father of two girls, a brother, a marketing professional, a foodie, and a light to many who knew him. In March of 2018, his life was taken in his own home, while his mother was just steps away upstairs. He had just celebrated his 39th birthday the protector, the man of my home is gone. So now what do I do? While Gore is still awaiting justice for her son, she started the Shelton Hayes Foundation in 2019, hoping to keep his light flickering. The foundation helps other families survive the grief of losing a loved one to gun violence. So we started the Shelton T. Hayes Foundation, finding our new normal, being equipped to handle our new normal, being empowered to handle our new normal and to be educated. This is not an easy task when you don't know who to contact first. You don't know who can help you. They also collect socks, scarves, and gloves to donate to local shelters, schools, and families. She says their mantra is warm feet equal a warm heart and soul. I want families to hear that you're not by yourself. You may feel alone. You may feel abandoned. You may feel discombobulated, but you're not alone. And you're not alone because we are a family. We're brought together by unfortunate circumstances. 
your loss is my loss and my loss is your loss, but we've lost something very valuable. So you're not by yourself. And anything the Shelton T. Hayes Foundation stands for is we're going to work through the new normal. We're going to get through the new normal. The foundation is still collecting winter items for the season. To learn more about how to donate, you can go to kywnewsradio.com. You can also see the full story about the Shelton T. Hayes Foundation on kywnewsradio.com. It's listed under Philly Rising. Again, they are still accepting those winter items before Thanksgiving, so that's a nice and simple way to give back during this holiday season. If you know a Philly Rising changemaker we should highlight next, please let me know. You can tweet me at A-R-L-E on air. That's A-R-L-E-E on air. I know there are folks out there doing great things for their neighbors since the holiday season is here, so I want to hear about it. I mean it. Please reach out. That's it for this week's Flashpoint. I'll end us with this quote by Valerie Burton. When you stop hoping, you start settling. This show was produced by Arian Fulcher, Sheridan Howard, and me, your host, Antoinette Lee. Until next time, remember, keep going. Thank you for listening. Flashpoint is a production of KYW News Radio 1039 FM. For more, go to KYWnewsradio.com slash Flashpoint and subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast wherever you get your shows. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Thank you.